Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Another thrilling installment of the X Files. That's Je- the EX Files. Jenny is sitting in a leather chair with a smoking jacket and a uh, pipe with a curl of beautiful white smoke curling up from the pipe. Yeah. Har- harpsichord minces uh, delicately in the background. <laughs> This is a special episode of the EX Files. Are we doing any of our normal introduction? That's about the, the X Files. We're ex wives. <laughs> get it? Dun, dun, blah, chush, blah, 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 blah blah. If you're listening to the mailbag, I feel like you know everything you need to know already. I hope you do. Um, we are. Uh, there's a there's a, a few things happening with scheduling for us. Um, specifically. This week, uh, this day that this mailbag is airing was intended to be the day that the 23rd episode of the first season of The X-Files aired, which would have been covering Roland. Um, If you listen to the last episode of X-Files, you know that uh, Roland is problematic from the top to the bottom when it comes to talking about autism specifically, disability generally. Uh, And so rather than try to um, discuss that and the episode, we wanted to take more time and so inside of our season two we'll be doing a, a a bigger episode which will talk about Roland and all of its issues but also just generally this time in the 90s and what was happening with uh, portrayals of disability and specifically with portrayals of autism um so this episode is a stand-in for that um and you can stay tuned in our season two for more on Roland um and then in a larger scope Uh, I've been moving through some very difficult things. Um, If you follow us on social media, you may have already seen this, but I've had the last sort of like week or maybe almost two weeks in the throes of taking care of my dad. Um, My dad was diagnosed with Alzheimer's dementia back in 2020. And um, even though he is very young, uh, relatively speaking, he's only 74 Um, It has been a very, very quick progression, and um, he was hospitalized last week, and he's okay. It was an unrelated, or I guess everything's really related when it comes to these things, but he's physically okay, but it was a very traumatic experience for him and for all of us, Um, and it has really accelerated all of the things that need to be done to take care of him, and so it has been really emotional and a really taxing uh, and hey a really emotionally taxing couple of weeks so um 
we have also had to pause some of our regular programming and some of our just like regular work. Uh, most of it, in fact, uh, will be back the week after Thanksgiving. And so that week after Thanksgiving uh, is passed. Uh, the 29th is going to be our finale of The X-Files covering the Erlenmeyer flask. And the next day, Thursday, the 30th, we'll be resuming our coverage of Slayers with the fifth episode. So um, all of this, by the time you hear it, will be updated on our calendars. Um, I, those of you who have reached out to me uh, everywhere, uh, you know, email, Discord, Twitter, everywhere um, with your love and your support and all of that. Thank you so much. It has been really comforting. There's a whole thread in um, my own Discord for my personal Patreon, Jenny, that is simply full of everyone's pets, everyone's pets yawning. Mm. Every, it, so oh. It's a really just a joyful, wonderful place. Um, so thank you all for your love and support and I promise you we are about to get into this mailbag but I do want to say something because I've been thinking about it a lot given the fact that um, Jenny and I both have had to take a couple of weeks off given everything happening with my family which is that we're really fortunate to get to do this kind of work where we get to be creative and we get to create things. It's really fun and it's really fucking cool and I wouldn't trade it for anything in the universe. Jenny I don't think you would either. No no no. But the times in which it becomes the most tenuous are times like these um, because we don't work for a larger company. We can't take um, paid leave. Um, any time that we take off is, you know, directly impacts the income that we have coming in. And so uh, if you are a patron of ours and you have the ability to up your support in these next few months, if you're not a patron of ours and you want to take this moment to become one, um, if you don't know about my Patreon, uh, it'll be in the show notes today as well. Those are all really incredible ways of supporting both of us in this moment, because even though this is something that I am going through personally, uh, just by the nature of the work that we do collaboratively and also just our relationship to each other, it impacts both of us very deeply. So um, if you can offer some more support uh, over the next few months as, as I move through this and as Jenny and I move through this, uh, that would be so wonderful. Uh, Patreon.com slash BufferingCast, Patreon.com slash Kristen Nolene. Uh, and all of the links will be down below in the show notes. Chris and I care about you. And I know everyone listening does also. And I know you care about Pete. <laughs> I love Pete. And I like you. <laughs> fair. Very fair. Famously. I'm famously your best friend. <laughs> and you're my very good friend. And therefore we care about each other. Uh, one of us more than the other. <laughs> Uh, it feels so good to be loved. <gasps> would, it, would it would it cheer you up at all to read some emails about UFOs and stuff? You fucking know it would. Let's yeah. let's yeah. get into it, Jenny. I want you to kick things off with this email from our listener Mandy, which I have to say actually came in so long ago. I'm so glad to finally get the chance to read it to everyone now. Okay, Mandy writes, "I have a little bit of alien slash MUFON info for you." That's M U O. M-U-F-O-N, which Kristen told me stands for Mutual UFO Network. Also, when I looked up to make sure that it did stand for Mutual UFO Network, uh, I, there's a list of the three founders. And I literally thought that one of the founders' names was Alien R. Uh, Utke or U-T-K-E. And it's, it's just Alan, you guys. Alan. And I was like, oh, my God, one of the founders is named Alien? <laughs> 
Okay, okay, okay. okay. Manny continues. Since my dad, Lester, he would be so tickled to hear his name if you ever read this, (laughs) is a MUFON member and does a yearly visit to Rachel Nevada around his birthday, I figured I'd share a bit of fun info related to the recent Fallen Angel episode. Growing up, my dad was part of MUFON and had the computer extension slash software slash screensaver you loaded onto your computer and it would help scan or monitor aliens while you weren't using the computer using this thing called... S-E-T-I? S-E-T-I. We're going to put a link down below so you can read about SETI. (laughs) My dad goes to Rachel Nevada each year for a few weeks. Rachel Nevada is by Area 51 and Nellis Air Force Base. He goes looking for crystals and scours the skies for UFOs. Basically, an excuse to go and chat with random other alien enthusiasts. And he's even been interviewed and is apparently internet famous in France, although I asked (laughs) and he never got any link to the video of the interview they showed him. (laughs) I've searched, but without really knowing any keywords, I have no idea where to look. So any French listeners, maybe you can help or someone has seen it. (laughs) Near Rachel is the famous UFO mailbox, the black mailbox that is the main meeting point for alien enthusiasts along the terrestrial highway, (laughs) the terrestrial highway (laughs) near Area 51, since there are no other landmarks there. My dad says it's not the original mailbox, and that makes sense with all the bullet holes and I'm sure destruction over the years. From the Travel Nevada website. Ever since former Area 51 employee Bob Lazar told imaginative tales of top-secret government initiatives involving life from other planets, visitors and locals alike have traveled to this remote stretch of road in central Nevada in hopes of an otherworldly encounter. Uh, Lazar, Lazar, Lazar... Famously claimed to have worked on and spotted regularly scheduled UFO flights along what's now known as the E.T. Highway and would even bring people to the now famous Black Mailbox as a meeting place promising chances to spot alien spacecraft. So, Mandy concludes, I grew up with my very own Fox Mulder. So very, very, very fun. And I'm going to put the links to there's a Slate article about that mailbox and then the link to SETI if you want to know more about this. Um, And listen, I feel like it's worth noting here that now we know how to reach Mandy, which means that we kind of know how to reach Mandy's dad, which means that we kind of have the ability to one day do a deeper dive into uh, alien enthusiasts who go out and visit this location, maybe even go out and visit ourselves. I honestly really thought I was going to get to talk about aliens a lot more this season, Jenny, I have to say. Kristen, we've only just begun. <laughs> Are you not pleased that you got the opportunity to talk about stretchy fingies? Are you not pleased that you did, got the opportunity to talk about smug bitches? I mean, one, do one, of them? one could, one could uh, counter that with why not uh, all of those things? I fully believe that there is a smug bitch alien with stretchy fingies. You know what I mean? I listen. <laughs> um, thank you for writing in, Mandy. Uh, if any of... I'm really interested, too, but I think because we haven't talked a ton about aliens and UFOs yet in this season, that we still have an untapped listenership full of... Um, alien lore and stories so you know if you want to start sending those in don't be shy Mm -hmm. hello at bufferingcast.com yes 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 all right i'm gonna um read there's a let's see this is an email from raula um i hope i'm pronouncing that right raula raula or rahula r-a-h-u-l-a uh writes in and says 
longtime listener, second time writer. I'm a Baltimore resident. Okay, so we're we're going into Born Again, which is our most recent episode. I'm a Baltimore yes. resident, and as such, immediately filled in my own police corruption storyline with the quartet of Staten Island. I'm sorry, a Buffalo cops in Born Again. <laughs> Shortly after my partner and I moved to Baltimore, we started reading stories about the Gun Trace Task Force. There's a link also. There's a ton of really fun links. That's one of the best parts about the mailbag, right, is you get everyone's links below. Um, There's a local NPR station um, in Baltimore that has a ton of articles about this that you can read more if you want to learn about the Gun Trace Task Force. But... uh, Raula continues, there was also a short HBO dramatized series on this topic from the creator of The Wire. I recommend the book I Got a Monster by the Baltimore journalists uh, Baynard Woods and Brandon Sutterberg for even more on the topic. Long story short, a, quote, elite squad of uh, BPD officers were tasked with getting guns off the street. They used that edict to rob drug dealers of cash and drugs, which they would fence, provided security for drug dealers they knew, and broadly be corrupt assholes. Shocking. As recently as March of 2023, the city paid a settlement to the family of a man killed in a high-speed chase and instigated by the Gun Trace Task Force. Um, Also, this is a parenthetical, but I just find it to be just even more par for the course. Um, Raula says, remember the burning CVS that was shown on a loop on every news station during the Freddie Gray uprising? The drugs from that CVS pharmacy were fenced by the gun trace task force, but we did not get a loop of that, did we? Wow. Anyway, as a Baltimore resident watching Born Again, I assumed this quartet had robbed the triads. And what were the triads going to do? Complain to the cops that the cops robbed them? Because that's exactly what the Gun Trace Task Force did. Had I watched this in 93, I don't know that I would have filled in the blanks quite so quickly. However, um, and this was not that we actually got a couple of emails from folks who, who didn't talk specifically about the Gun Trace Task Force, but who were like, I'm pretty sure that the vibe was that these cops stole the money from these folks and that's how they got this money that they were waiting whatever it was 10 years 15 years to cash in on um so that got past jenny and i um but thankfully we have all of you to keep us on task uh this is a little bit of a sidebar jenny but people in the slayers universe you and i were sort of like guts for garters what a fun thing what a novel saying and everyone is like do you all know that phrase? And everyone knows that phrase, except for Kristen, Nolene Russo, and Jenny Owen Youngs. Everyone apparently has heard Guts for Garters said all Wait, the time forever. I feel like I have heard it. Did I say when we were taping that it was new to me? Well, you think you implied it, but I will say that lately you are pulling the double duty of podcasting and not trying to wake up your son. So I do find that you hear about 50% of what I say. Um, it's well, possible I mean, you just didn't know what I was talking about when you were agreeing. Bold of you me. to assume that I heard that I heard 50% of what you had to say before I had a son <laughs> I was trying not to wake up. <laughs> yeah. Well, you started, I thought, maybe at 75. And uh, now you hear 50. Yeah, max. Mm-hmm. Definitely topping out at three quarters. <laughs> okay shall i read this email from holly you should you definitely should okay get a load of this holly writes in the episode shapes Mulder looks at joseph goodensnake's teeth and jenny asked if rigor affects the lips (gasps) your friendly neighborhood mortician listener is here to answer Kristen. 
music to my ears. I know. We have a few morticians uh, in our Our crew. friendly neighborhood mortician listener is here to answer. <laughs> I couldn't be more pleased. <laughs> Rigor mortis is the stiffening of the muscles after death. While there are a lot of small muscles around the mouth and lips, without a joint in the lips to get in the way, like knuckle joints in a finger, rigor <gasps> is basically non-existent <laughs> in this area of the face. Oh my god, a bonus fact for you. Rigor mortis only lasts about what? <laughs> rigor mortis only lasts about 36 to 48 hours after death. So depending on how long it took Mulder and Scully to get to Montana, the rigor may have already been gone. Holly finishes this email hope this answers your question holly let me assure you it does and i've never been happier <laughs> it's pre that's pretty amazing i mean a i thought rigor mortis was forever once Permanent, you were yeah. once you were rigor guess and what mortis i'm gonna be doing yeah. guess what i'm gonna be doing to all the 48 hour on cadavers i encounter are you gonna be forward. like uh what is it um weekend of i'm just like gonna be gumby them. posing them yeah yeah weekend of bernie's you know? to, uh, fun i guess yeah, that's yeah. actually well you know what that might be like a fact check for weekend at bernie's because w weekend at bernie's uh it's been a long time but i feel like they kind of played on the fact that there was some rigor right because how else would you get them to stay in a pose if there was no rigor but uh now we know weekend at bernie's wow. absolutely fiction no fact <laughs> <laughs> okay um alice also wrote in about shapes um and uh, i'm gonna read alice's full email the the cornerstone of this was uh also sent in by a few of you uh alice says hello i'm a longtime listener uh all the way through buffy and now at the x-files i love your amazing commentary on the shows thank you so much alice uh shapes was always a complex episode for me because as a mixed race person though not first nations uh inuk or metis but culturally closely linked to the siksika blackfoot nation uh, i'm not sure that i pronounced siksika correct uh the other two i did um i think i did okay with but please let me know how to pronounce that correctly if i did not uh, the appropriation of culture, Manitou as a monster, and the, quote, good job white person who understands our culture better than we do, end quote, was, of course, infuriating. However, I always read the relationship between Lyle and Joseph as a gay relationship that was a secret from both of their families. I know. What are we doing, Jenny? Are we even fucking gay anymore? Lyle. We are famously two heterosexual women <laughs> watching TV heterosexually. <laughs> Lyle, for obvious reasons, Montana farming family circa 1994, and Joseph, because his family wouldn't accept him having a relationship with a white person, especially one involved in a land dispute. I thought the implication of Joseph attacking Lyle was more they had met for a tryst and Joseph's bloodlust <gasps> peaked and he lost control. This relationship feeling when you <laughs> meet for a tryst and your bloodlust peaks and you lose control. <laughs> We've all been there. <laughs> This relationship is why Lyle wanted to be at the funeral, but was, I know, but was chased off by Gwen. It's also why Lyle, quote, felt a presence watching him every night. Joseph was coming to see him, but was afraid he was, he would lose control of his totally justifiable rage. My two cents, of course, I bow to your larger expertise in queer representation, Alice. Well, Alice, let me first take your two cents, aka your two pennies, <laughs> which, which is canonically all that some people had according to a story I can never quite place. <laughs> uh, 
this is correct. <laughs> it is so correct. And like we did get a couple of other emails that were just sort of like, I thought that Joseph and Lyle were and I was like, what are we doing? What have we done? Why would we how would we ever not? Um, I think we were so focused on the Manitou of it all that like yeah. we just lost the gay of it all. How dare we? We will do a better job in the future. This makes sense. The epic, epic failure on, yeah. on our part. Yeah. I can't even believe it. We're like, ooh, Scully and Lyle. <laughs> Sklyly. Sklyly. <laughs> fucking morons we deserve a demerit or three um okay so uh jenny i'm gonna actually read this next email because it is to me specifically uh leia wrote in Kristen. since the day i was born my mom has always yelled at the tv every time someone rips out an iv and as in my listen you have literally just said you have done this i need to know (laughs) for science if and how badly this hurt uh, love you both. Love all the pods. It. I don't remember it hurting at all, Leia. Um. I. I. You know. It. it it's the going in is kind of what hurts. It's. It's just. It wasn't like a. It wasn't like one of those IVs that are like bigger and more permanent. It was just like a. Hey, you're at the hospital for a little while. Here's an IV. So it didn't hurt at all. I don't recommend doing it. Please don't. Uh, Kristen Russo does not advise taking out your own IV. Uh, thank you very much. Uh, talk to my lawyer. Um. But it did not hurt. It. Uh. Did not hurt at all. Um, Jenny, I, I think you should go to the email from G, um, because it's actually going to require us to click a link together and oh have an oh active God. conversation. And I think that oh that's God. where we should go right now. Okay. G says, hi, I found this in my research for X-Files themed Halloween costumes. And it just felt like something this pod needed exposure to three, two, one, click. <laughs> Oh my god, the sign says Dana Scully seasons season one outfits. I Kristen I'm telling you. It's just this is just in case you're wondering, this is only Dana Scully's season one outfits. They are this broken is... out by uh ast- astrological sign. This says zodiac sign. I haven't heard zodiac the word what happened to the word zodiac? Do people say that anymore? I well I think people <laughs> Yeah, people totally say it. Uh, people talk about, you know, the zodiacal wheel. Ooh, zodiacal. Um, but also, I think, because of that one serial killer. Um, oh. The, because the, there the, hasn't been an uh, the astrology killer <laughs> yet. Yet. People may just default towards astrology. Okay, this is, fa- I wonder what order they're going to do it. Aries is first. Are they going alphabetically or are they going in zodiacal wheel order? Let's see. It's not alphabetically because I had to scroll all the way to the bottom for us. Good job. They're doing it in order of the, oh my God. Okay, so I huge, would like your, first of all. News. Okay, yes, go ahead. <laughs> Did you get to us? Sorry. No, I just got to Cancer. Which yes, is... Cancer's my favorite. Cancer is also cancer my is wife. The parka from Darkness Falls. God bless. <laughs> I immediately leaned over to Avanti and was like, "Oh my God, look at which sign you are. You're the fucking parka." <laughs> There's a reason too. Like you can read. Where is the parka? Let me scroll back up to it. Um, the marshmallow. The marshmallow is what they refer to the parka as. Uh, it's both gentle, safe space, oh. and tougher outer shell. <laughs> Okay, so that's totally Avanti. And then check it out. They have two outfits for each sign. Mm-hmm. And the second look is called Do These Shades of Black Match? Which is also Avanti. Which is also Avanti through yeah. and through and through. I'm uh. romantic and sentimental, but I can still kick your ass, says this look. <laughs> Wait, what sign is Jess? 
Jess is a Gemini, which is also like okay. right on point. The double-breasted green skirt suit from space. Let me get down. And the there. government hearing, sh- the government hearing chic from <laughs> Fallen Angel. Oh yeah. These are looks that Jess would approve of. Okay, I'm gonna go down and, and look at. Yeah, you're gonna be. I don't know. I was pretty stoked when I got to our outfit. Sagittarius. Let's see what we got. Oh my god. <laughs> Tremendous. The first episode. <laughs> the first outfit. <laughs> this is amazing. Both of the names. They, they name every outfit from the episodes that they picked up. Uh-huh. It's really good. Um, the first outfit that they've selected <laughs> is think back to Jersey Devil when Dana goes to her godson's birthday party and she's wearing a scoop neck sort of bluish short sleeve shirt. With a tan suede question mark mm-hmm. vest over it. Mm-hmm. And this outfit is called, Hey, did you catch NPR this morning? <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Describe the next outfit and say its name. And then we can say why this is Sagittarius, both of them. <laughs> okay. The next outfit is from Shadows. Scully is wearing a mustard button up shirt and a black suit jacket and it's called hey did you watch 60 minutes last night uh all right i want to read did you catch npr this morning and its connection to being sagittarius Uh, and i'll read the other great by the time nope i was gonna say by the time you listen to this we will be the same age we won't be i'll still be a year older than jenny um nice okay uh this outfit again uh blue sort of t-shirt a nice lady t-shirt and a brown suede vest this outfit is an underdog ambitious if that suede vest isn't ambitious i don't know what is dedicated open-minded but moral this look probably wants to sell you weed this look definitely <laughs> wants to talk to you about sustainable farming this look says i can adapt and i can also give you 20 reasons why you should adapt as well <laughs> Oh, my God. I mean, if that isn't fucking me, I don't know what is. That really mm-hmm. nailed it. Okay, Jenny, get, get okay. give us mustard. Here's the, hey, did you watch 60 Minutes last night? Mustard shirt knows what you've done and won't judge you for it. Mustard shirt understands that we've all got to fight for what we believe in as long as your beliefs don't hurt anybody. Mustard shirt has a who adopted who sticker on its car. Mustard shirt always thanks its mail carrier. Mustard shirt says... Are you aware the bees are dying and convinces you to buy a Prius when what you really wanted was a Hummer? There we are. (sighs) Wow. So uh, you will definitely, this is by somebody named Lauren Boisvert. It was published six years ago. I'm sure Lauren does not anticipate the amount of traffic that their article is going to suddenly have but six years later. Um, but we'll put the link, and I, I cannot uh, tell you with any more enthusiasm to go God, and look at I can't at believe it's just the season. Is this a series? Is there a season two? I don't know. I didn't look. I can't look, Jenny, because I don't want to get spoiled okay. on anything. Um, but, gee, thank you for sending us this link. You are absolutely correct. It is my favorite thing and Jenny's favorite thing. Hooray. I'm just so incredibly pleased, and I'm so sorry to tell you, Kristen, that if there is a second or beyond edition of mm. this article, it's it's not on this website. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, we can sort of keep track as we go through season two and see if we can write one of our own. 
It's true. <laughs> it's true. We could. <laughs> Today's episode is brought to you by Regal Cinemas. If you're anything like me, you deeply enjoy going to the movies. Going to the movies is probably among my top three all-time activities. I love seeing films on the big screen. I also love being around other people who are watching the same movie with me at the same time. And of course, I love eating giant buckets of popcorn. If you feel the same and you like going to the theater, Regal Unlimited is something that just makes sense. Regal Unlimited is the all-you-can-watch movie subscription pass. It pays for itself in two movie visits. You can see any standard 2D movie anytime, no blackout dates, no restrictions. When you want to watch a movie in 4DX or IMAX or RPX or ScreenX, there's so many ways to watch movies these days, your Regal Unlimited membership gets you into those premium experiences at a reduced cost. And with Regal Unlimited, you don't only save money on the tickets, you will also save on your snacks. And as previously mentioned, I love snacks. The only thing that can make me love a snack more is saving money on buying a snack. Members get 10% off of all non-alcoholic concession items with membership. Regal Unlimited, all you can watch movie subscription pass. It pays for itself in two visits. So if you're planning to see two movies this month, join Regal Unlimited and sign up now. You can sign up in the Regal app or on regmovies.com slash unlimited. Sign up for Regal Unlimited using code buffering and earn 10% off your three-month subscription. Please let us know about all of the movies you see and how the popcorn is. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, I'm going to read you, I'm going to read you an email and a half right now. Um, I say that because one of these emails is about um, autopsies and I don't, I like it, I appreciate it, but it's a little bit too much for my... Uh, system to handle, you know what I mean? However, there's a PS in the email that I love. Uh, so I'm going to get to that one next. But first, let me read this email from Julie. I found this uh, important and very interesting, especially when we get to the Georgetown of it all. Julie says, as a former D.C. resident and current D.C. suburb resident, I just cannot anymore with the 1990s D.C. depictions. First, in 94, D.C. was predominantly black. Its nickname, affectionately, is even Chocolate City. It was only four Four years ago, that black residency dropped below 50% in the city. So to see all of these white faces is truly bizarre. You wanted to know why Mulder was wearing a Georgetown hat when he went to Oxford? To show he was in the, quote, good part of the city. In fact, Georgetown lobbied not to have a metro stop put in because they didn't want, quote, <gasps> certain elements to have easy access to their part of the city. 
Ooh boy, mm. do they regret that now. I haven't been to Georgetown in well over a decade because I refused to drive to it. There was slash is a terrifically racist saying in D.C. and Montgomery County, Maryland, that, quote, there's nothing worthwhile east of the park, which was referring to Rock Creek Park. Uh, traditionally, east of the park were predominantly black and uh, Latin neighborhoods. Um, by the way, Julie says, whether in D.C. or Maryland, I've always lived east of the park. Um so this is, I, I re- the Georgetown bit was really fascinating to me because it's so specific and it's one of those things that, you know, uh, threaded into um, media where we don't even, like, I, I mean, I would have never. I just thought, like, I don't know. that I have no idea why. So thank you, Julie, for that. I think it calls for a nice uh, white supremacy jingle here because that is, seems exactly like what we're speaking about. Hit it, bitch. You know The next email is from Samantha, who is a retired paramedic. And Samantha, I appreciate you. And I appreciate all that you wrote to us about Scully doing autopsies and the tools in which the tools that are often used in autopsies, um, et cetera, et cetera. However, in Samantha's email, they talk about medical examiners referred to as MEs. Um, And the PS of this email is weirdly. There is or was a band called the County Medical Examiners, which is a four-piece string quartet of medical examiners from neighboring counties. Isn't life neat? So I just could I couldn't live with myself without sharing about this four-piece string quartet made up of medical examiners. Jenny, Jenny is I could see we have a shared Google Doc right now, and Jenny's highlighting the name of this band to see uh, if they still exist. And if they do, I really think we should commission them to do a cover of the medical doctor jingle. You know what I mean? A <laughs> <laughs> uh, cursory googling does not yield promising results Uh, all right well listeners activate if you can find us the county medical examiners i mean that's a really hard thing to fucking google through you know yeah 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 um wow let us know but either way fucking brilliant Okay, next up, we've got something from Kathleen, who says, I had a possible idea of how Mulder and Deep Throat know where to meet up when their phone calls are just clicks. (laughs) Perhaps they discuss their next meetup point at the end of each meeting. This wouldn't work for out-of-town meetups, though. Maybe they borrow Kristen's crystal ball for those. I guess so. They've got two crystal balls. Attached by a string. <laughs> and when they look back at the beach. <laughs> there's only one set of footprints. There's only one. Prints. There, yeah, there's just one long like tire wheel, but it's just the uh, crystal ball rolling. <laughs> that was when the crystal ball held you. Um, I just like I feel like we really haven't gotten to the bottom of this. And Kathleen, as much as I really appreciate this theory you kind of already started to see how it falls apart even in your writing because what about when they're out of town and also I feel like Deep Throat and Mulder meet up at like 
specific locations, like if it's nighttime or daytime. And so how do they know what time of day they're going to need to meet up next? I like to imagine that there's some kind of hidey hole involved in this exchange, you know? I like to imagine there's always a hidey hole involved. Yeah, just like a little like a little piece where the mortar that holds the brick together over at the Pentagon is loose and they just mm-hmm. sort of like slide, they roll up the paper and they just sort of slide it in the little hidey hole. Yep, yep. Uh, Mulder unscrews the regular light bulb from his lamp and sclu- <laughs> screws in a blue bulb and then something. Yeah. Um, okay, Jenny, we we only have a couple of emails left here. Um, first of all, we have an email from Sydney. Uh, this is an important email. I think that it may win my favorite subject line of an email for the season. The subject line of this email is, The Yeti with tits called, She Wants Me to Talk About the Killer Ape Theory. Ah. <laughs> uh... <laughs> I love it. How Remember did they... you know it was her? Um, for, for sure. <laughs> she said, hey. FaceTime call? She said, hey, it's the Yeti with tits. How have you been? <laughs> <laughs> okay. So Sydney says, uh, first time caller, long time listener. I am so glad you started the X-Files rewatch podcast. I love the series and miss you guys. We miss you too. Um, I just finished watching episode five, um, and I know you already recorded it, but my master's in anthropology compels me to write this email. Do you know about the killer ape theory? No. Perfect. It states that violence is and has been a major driving force in our evolutionary trajectory. Surprise, it's false. The theory came about in the 1950s when Raymond Dart concluded that the three million year old fossil remains of a child showed evidence of brutal violence and even cannibalism. But these remains were found in a cave with other small animals that looked like they had also been eaten and talon marks from an eagle could be seen on the skull. Poor kid, but not a murderer. Dart himself even denounced his theory as false, but the killer ape theory had already spawned a book along with other pieces of Western pop culture like 2001, A Space Odyssey. It even influenced branches of psychology. The conversation that Scully and Mulder have with the anthropologist in the show assumes killer ape theory is correct and that evolution is linear and progressive but whatever that's another rant i thought it was interesting that they brought up family groups and social behavior since both support the idea that humans are generally pretty chill and eager to cooperate without the threat of violence frankly a lot of that scene was comically outdated and just plain wrong almost like it was created by some tv writers in the 90s Killer ape theory is also very much a product of 1950s South Africa and all the systems that dictated how science was conducted and disseminated at that time. I think it sucks that this has somehow survived in our cultural memory and continues to crop up in entertainment, amongst other things, even though it's been roundly rejected and no one looking into human adaptation takes it seriously anymore. I know. I know I'm preaching to the choir, but I just had to put my thoughts out there. Ah, well, at least the episode has some excellent Scully outfits to keep the mood light. Thanks for reading. <laughs> You're the best. Signed, a Sasquatch in anti-gravity. Wow. Um, so this is, it's like I've, I've, it's like I've, 
this is one of those things that I know I've learned, but I feel like it's taking me like two or three loops around it to like actually have it gel in my mind. Um, and so Sydney, now I feel like I really will remember where the killer ape theory originated and that it is false and that it is still everywhere. We love to think that inherently, I mean, we don't, Jenny and I don't, but like just I feel like humans are like, oh, yeah, we were always violent. We were always this. We always did that. See, look, everybody's just looking for justification for their bullshit. You know? Mm-hmm. So that's all we want to do. We just want to find some reason to point to why we did stupid fucking bad shit. <laughs> Is it, does it fall to me to read this next email? Yeah, this is your email, Jenny. Oh my God, I get to read another email from Sinead. It sounded like you already read an email from Sinead, but you just meant another email. This one from Sinead. Yes, correct, correct. <laughs> uh, Sinead writes, I've been listening since the first season of Buffering. Whoop, whoop. And your podcast is one of my favorites. Thank you. As a longtime fan of both Buffy and the X-Files, I was happy with your choice for a second iconic show of the 90s. Yeah. I actually have a bit of trivia you might be interested in. I don't think this falls under the heading of a spoiler. You have brought up the wacky, stretchy, screaming face in the opening credits several times. I know, or knew since he has passed away, the person whose image was used for that. Kristen! I know. His name was Lou, and he worked in video post-production. He happened to be working at the post house where those credits were created. And when called on to lend his face to the cause of X-Files scariness, he stepped up. Or (laughs) they just asked him, hey, do you mind if? And he said, sure, why not? (laughs) He was not, as far as I know, had never been an actor. I knew him because we ended up being co-workers at a later time in a a different post-production company. Sinead. What a treasure. Lou! So great. Now we need email an email from somebody who knows government denies knowledge. <laughs> Just the phrase. The phrase. The, the text. <laughs> or like whose handprint it is with the glowing red index finger. Yeah. Or who's, uh, is somebody touching the Spencer's gift uh, electro ball? I can't remember. No, but there is the, oh, you know, earlier in the, se- way earlier in the season, we were talking about the credits. We were trying to figure out what the clip is where it looked to us like two claws of a cat sort of like not retracting but doing the other thing yeah what do you call that extending (laughs) but it's actually did we already talk about this somebody wrote in and said it's a seed sprouting that's what that is it's a seed sprouting um which makes sense Incredible. We got to meet those seeds. Got to meet those seeds. Got to get those seeds on the pod. I can't. I'm so happy that we all collectively can just refer to the stretchy face as Lou from now on. Uh, Lou. Lou, may your memory live on inside of the uh, EX Files universe as well. Yeah, rest in peace, Lou. So, Jenny, this was a collection of uh, some of our favorite emails from season one. And normally, I feel like this would maybe also be where we talk about all of our season one thoughts and maybe some of my incredible predictions from my crystal ball. Um, but we have talked to um, our favorite producer of all time, the best producer of all time, Latoya Ferguson. Uh, and she would like to come in for a season wrap episode with Hell yes. us. So all of those thoughts and feelings and accolades, I'm sure that I will get um, for 
the work that me and my the uh, award-winning work uh, done by me and my crystal ball will be in that season wrap episode uh, so please stay tuned for that um the I can't think the Erlenmeyer flask is the 29th of November is the finale. So probably right at the uh, sort of the first couple weeks in December, you'll get that season wrap episode. And I encourage you to write in with your final, final crystal ball questions. Um, please crystal ball at bufferingcast.com. Uh, you do want to spell crystal with one L and not two. I tried to log into the email earlier by spelling crystal with two L's several times, could not <laughs> figure out why my password wasn't working. Uh, so that's crystal with one L ball wow. with two, uh, at buffering cast. And also email us at hello at Bufferingcast if you have any things you want us to address in that season wrap episode. Um, and I'll be in there digging through that before we record uh, probably sometime in early December. Hell yes. Uh, before we go, something very important for you to know. Uh, every year for the last, I don't even know how many years, many, many, many years, our listeners have run a holiday gift exchange and a holiday book exchange, Yola Boca Flod. Did I do it? Beautiful. Uh, Lorena, if you've been in the pod universe long enough, you surely know Lorena. Lorena wrote in, hi, uh, Kristen, because, you know, she knows that I'm the one that reads the emails um, at this yeah. point. Yeah, Lorena just texted me about this. <laughs> yeah, sure, sure. Uh, the holiday season is upon us, and we will be hosting holiday exchanges as usual in the patron-only Facebook and Discord spaces. If you want to promote them, hey, we're doing it. Um, we'd love that as always. We will be dropping the links over on Facebook and Discord on the 1st of November. So those links are up and the signups will be open until the end of November, which terrifyingly is so soon. I added that. Lorena's not terrified, I'm sure. <laughs> Um, Secret Slayer gift exchange is going to be hosted by our listener Frankie again this year. Uh, and uh, the book exchange, Yola Boca Flod, will be hosted by Lorena as usual. So these are wonderful, wonderful exchanges. Jenny and I participate in them every year. So we're in the mix and we always get assigned to one of the listeners uh, to exchange gifts as well. It's really, really fun and really, really sweet. Uh, if you'd like to join, it's open to all of our patrons. Um, and honestly, probably the only reason that it's not open to the public is just because it would be very unwieldy. <laughs> So if you want to join us, uh, hop over there in the Patreon, uh, find those links and uh, join us all. And Frankie and Lorena, as always, thank you. I, this has been like 100 years uh, that you've been doing this and it's always such a delight. Okay. So thanks. It's very sweet and magical. I love the holidays. I love the holidays, um, especially because uh, your birthday is really soon, Jenny, eh? It is. And so was yours. So is mine. Uh, but it actually is three weeks after yours. So um, please. Yeah, yeah. But it's actually what I would say is that it's um, 11 months and one week before mine. Yes. OK, that's sure. So. Yes. Mm -hmm. OK, great. All I can tell you is that by the time we come back with the season finale of The X-Files, Jenny and I will both be 42 years old. Briefly, so briefly. It's my favorite time of Fleetingly. year. The most mm. wonderful time okay. of the ding dong. That's enough. <laughs> 
Anyway, thank you all for um, joining us for this special mailbag. Uh, tomorrow in the in the main feed, um, as you probably know by now, we've got this big umbrella feed if you're listening to Buffering a Rewatch Adventure where everything goes. And then we also have individual feeds. So um, if you're listening to this in the X-Files feed, you'll see us again for the finale. But in the Buffering Rewatch feed tomorrow, we will have a special Slayers episode where we interview... Casey Wayland, who is one of the directors and who worked on a ton of the sound and who rules actually. So that's fun. And produced. And produced. Um, yeah, he basically wore every hat. He also talks to us about how his dog was deeply involved in some of the sound effects. Yes. So yeah, his dog's a big star of the show, actually. <laughs> um, so we'll be there tomorrow. And then um, the week of Thanksgiving, we will be off. And then we'll be back with more of what you're used to and our regularly scheduled programming uh the following week hooray how do we well, say how do we say goodbye from a mailbag what would um, you call the status of this mailbag jenny oh wait hang on a second shit um hang on hang on hang on i have something for this One sec. This is it's gonna be worth it, actually, Kristen. <laughs> oh my god. Oh my god. It's all going very poorly. Okay, I know that this seems extreme, but hang on one second, because I need to get mm-hmm. a pair of pliers out of the drawer. <laughs> <laughs> okay, are you ready? I'm ready. <laughs> The status of this X-Pile is... Closed. <laughs> Am I a cool guy? You really are. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.